Welcome to the SWO Files. I'm Abby. I'm Levi, and this is a podcast where we get to know our colleagues. We're profiling a new SWOMI each and every episode. And this week on the SWO Files, we're getting to know Gender Polo uh, and Service Lead for SLM in the UK. Her favorite travel destination is New Zealand. She's lived in one of the sunniest places in the UK, and she's the services lead for UK and Ireland. All that and more on the latest episode of The Swell Files. Hey, Leroy. Hey, Abby. How's it going? Good. Um, uh, this episode that our listeners are about to hear, it's our first international guest outside of the board. It's the first time that we do rapid fire first, um, but it's the second episode where our guest is a twin. I mean, and every episode has a twin in it because I have a twin. Um, there's my fun fact. Uh, what's a fun fact about you now? Fun fact about me is that this Tuesday, so a couple days from when we're recording here, my puppy Surrey graduates puppy 102 class. Oh my gosh, I didn't even know Surrey was in puppy classes. <laughs> yeah, I the proud um, dad dog moment. They they work on like staying without moving, and yeah. he he stayed for 55 seconds in class. So I was very Whoa. proud. Does he get to wear like a puppy graduation outfit, like a little hat? No hats. They do have a certificate, which that'll be interesting to see how he poses with that. But um, Are you going to like frame it and put it near his like, does he have like a dog bed? Like, are you just going to hang his little diploma next to it? I might have to. Yeah, we don't Aww. have any anything framed hanging there. But uh, yeah, we'll have to start like saving a Surrey folder of, of things. Oh, well, that's lovely. Yeah. But um so that was something new we were trying, just a few fun facts about ourselves to, because we spend so much time, uh, you know, really diving deep into our guests, but we don't talk about ourselves as often. And this time our guest, like you mentioned, international, Jen from the UK team. And it was really interesting to get to know her. I really liked how we started with the rapid fire just to kind of ease into things before we got to the meat of the work stuff. Yeah. Um, I think we both had a few things in common with her. Um, so that was a really fun way to start the episode. Um, and then we got into it, and there's more FinOps fun. So we heard in our last episode from Justin Van Spybrook um, about FinOps. And, of course, we dive right back into that topic. Yeah, the kind of the <clears throat> evolution of Sam, uh, when Jen started in 2014 with Software that there was only a couple people. That was really the big thing. And so Sam was Software Asset Management. That kind of turned into SLM, software lifecycle management, and now kind of the, the the newest evolution is FinOps, which really incorporates it to the cloud as well. Yeah, and it was interesting how she kind of broke down when she started. Sam was very much compliance focused, um, and then SLM is the whole, you know, from demand generation for a technology all the way to retirement of it, and it's the whole process. Um, and now we have what she liked to call. Uh, Sam in the cloud, which is FinOps. And I thought it was interesting because I remember when um, SaaS products started becoming more, more and more popular, I was like, oh, they're like inherently compliant. But there's this whole other world of, yeah, they might be inherently compliant to some degree, um, but there's a whole aspect around how do you manage that spend? It's really easy to overconsume or underutilize. Um, and how do you make sure that you're actually seeing a return? So there's been just a shift in how people have to approach their uh, asset management when it comes to software. 
Yeah, I think that's the best part about FinOps and what Software One tries to do to help customers is to really show the value back to the business, right? It it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to cut spending or have to reduce anything, but show where the value is. Why is this SaaS product or this cloud application important to your your business, your your mm-hmm. end product, and kind of tie it back to that, and that way you can say, you know, the, hey, this is a key part of what we do. Yeah, so it was a really fun discussion. Um, I'm eager to keep diving into it further. Um, I think we should probably pass it to the interview, but I'm also now remembering that you bought the FinOps book. Have you finished it yet? <laughs> I haven't finished it yet. I got sidetracked with a new hobby of mine, which has been cryptocurrency. Shut up. Uh, You're a cryptocurrency <laughs> guy? <laughs> Is I, it Dogecoin? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait, that's how you pronounce it, right? That's the yeah, dog that's one? Yeah, that's how you okay, pronounce yeah, yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> um, I bought a couple books on blockchain and Bitcoin and did you see Azure stopping? Uh, yes, yes. And did you see that Elon Musk is just like it's bad for the environment? I know we're not going to do. I'm like, good. It very, is bad for the environment. It's very hot interesting. Hot take. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I've been reading those books, and FinOps is under the pile. But I, oh, man. Uh, I'll dust it out, and um, <laughs> I'll try to have it finished by maybe the next time we record. <laughs> Okay, good. Uh, I'm going to Google more on cryptocurrency. Um, <laughs> yes. Side tangent. Uh, let's, should we pass it off to the show? Yeah, let's go to the show. Let's do it. All right. Uh, well, thank you, Jen, for joining us. Um, before we start, actually, can you just say your name and your title and how long you've been at Software One? Yep, sure. It's uh, Jen DiPolo. Uh, I'm service lead for SLM in the UK. Excellent. Um so Levi and I were discussing before we kicked off this interview that this is our first uh, international interview outside of the executive board uh, that we've had join us. So we're very excited uh, for that. Um, and because we, we, we've we never actually worked with you, we wanted to switch things up. We normally end with rapid fire, but we think it's important that we get to know you a little bit. So we're going to start with rapid fire. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, so Levi, why don't you kick us off? Yeah. So one of the questions we like to ask is, what would be your theme song? Yeah, I was, I was wondering about theme song. I, I wouldn't say theme song itself, but my, my most favorite song um, of, of all time is American Pie uh, by Don McLean. Um, not the mm. awful version by Madonna. That's uh, <laughs> um, But yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a great song. Uh, obviously very, very long. It's over seven minutes, uh, but absolutely love it. And, uh, you know, just the whole buddy holly story as well love it i i love buddy holly as well i I feel like i have to thank madonna because she introduced me to the don mclean song which introduced me to who buddy holly was and Mm -hmm. you gotta love buddy holly so yeah there's an appreciation for that that's good um where did you grow up yeah so i grew up um in a city called norwich um it's in the east of england so if you look at the uh how the uk looks it's that that hump on the the east side of the the UK um and yeah it's a great little city um not nice and sunny a lot of the time as well it's uh Norfolk's uh one of the sunniest places in the UK to live so uh always helps uh when the sun shines doesn't it yeah that's <laughs> nice um so what did you want to be as a kid yeah, this was an interesting one. I think many, many things uh, came through my my head originally on this. But um, uh, one of the the things I always uh, thought of when I was growing up, certainly in the teenage years, was um, uh, being a sports physio. 
so physiotherapist oh. uh, I was very much into my sports as a teenager um and and who doesn't like to uh, get their hands on some some nice men in in tight shorts and, and stuff like that so, <laughs> so yeah sports physio was uh, was probably one of my first uh, go-tos and um oh I I have actually qualified as a massage therapist as well so uh, yeah that was part of the journey wow and so what was your first job um, so outside of the sort of normal bar work type activities, um, I did a lot of uh, temping jobs in between sort of school and, and university, summer holidays, um, mainly all um, with Aviva. So, so those that, that know uh, Aviva or, or Norwich Union back then, obviously uh, headquartered in the UK uh, and uh, has a main hub in Norwich and uh, uh, a lot of people that live in Norfolk and, and Norwich uh, have, have worked at Aviva at one point or another. And uh, so, yeah, many temping jobs uh, at various departments uh, during the summer uh, holidays there, mostly. And this is like, I think, Abby's favorite question of all. I love this question. <laughs> what were you like as a teen? <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was looking at this, and I'm afraid to say I was quite boring. I was, um, <laughs> I, I was uh, never one to to really go out clubbing and uh, do the underage uh, clubbing experience. That was uh, more my my sister. Um, <laughs> I, I've got a twin sister, so uh, so yeah, she was more of the rebel uh, there. I was uh, very much into. Um, my sports, as I say, and, and, and playing hockey. Um, so got to um, quite a good level, county level, regional level at hockey. So, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty sport orientated. Um, but, yeah, not, not, not causing my parents major trouble as a, as a teen. Quite boring. <laughs> can I, I also can have I, a twin sister. I so. was just going to say oh, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we were both squares. We both were really boring. But our brother was the one who was kind of the wild one. So, <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. No, I said so, good to be a twin you, you always oh yeah back, so. it's like a built-in best friend it's and great yeah. fun fact our very first episode ever dave stangle he was a twin as well so we've got a lot of nice. twin connections yeah. here oh for sure <laughs> um what's your favorite travel destination mm, yeah so i have traveled a bit um so this was a tough choice but um those uh, really were uh, the best place uh, and most scenic uh, is New Zealand um so that that would be my favorite country to visit I've visited a couple of times um especially the south island it's uh, absolutely stunning stunning scenery um and really small place that you can travel around um pretty quickly and me and my sister did a, a camp camper van trip for four weeks during the rugby world cup down there in 2015 oh, wow. And uh, so that cool. was superb. Yeah, great, great time. And uh, Queenstown, uh, I, I stayed there for six months um, one time during a, a year out after uni traveling um, various places. And yeah, Queenstown's a, a blast, a really great place and lots of sort of um, bars. It's a, it's a ski resort as well in the winter. And yeah, really good fun there. Did you do like bungee jumping and any sort of adventure stuff like that? <laughs> I I didn't do bungee jumping though. No. Bungee jumping has never appealed to me, but skydive, <laughs> uh, I have done a skydive and that was great fun. And um, we did the Franz Joseph uh, Glacier as well, uh, which is a uh, lovely scenic uh, walk and then up onto the glacier. Um, and we were supposed to do a helicopter ride o over that as well and do a skydive from it, but that had to be cancelled, unfortunately, due to the weather. And we were leaving town the next day, so I wasn't able to 
uh, to actually do it, which was a big shame. But um, yeah, it's a great place. Well, it definitely got my travel bug going a little bit there, mm. talking about New Zealand and everything. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you go to New Zealand, New Zealand much when you were in um, Australia? Just one time um, at when we were leaving. So we only spent about a week um, and we were debating bungee jumping. We ended up doing a cliff diving thing, which is kind oh, of yeah. similar. Um, but that's like where bungee jumping was invented. And so we were right on the fence. Oh, really? Like, um, yeah. Huh. Um, so we did the cliff dive thing, which was scary enough for me that that was fine. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's, it gives you a thrill. That's for sure. Mm. Whereabouts uh, in Australia, did you go traveling before you left? Well, so we were, well, I was based in Sydney. And so when we left there, we went to, um, we went to the South Island and we did a little mini drive in New Zealand. Oh, um, we ended up in Queenstown. Um, we spent, I forget the other cities we went to. I think we went to three cities total in the course of like maybe four or five nights. So got to see a little bit of the countryside, um, you know, beautiful scenery. Of course, we went to um a winery we did a couple of fun things like that so it, it was awesome i would highly mm. recommend it yeah yeah it's a great place yeah cool well abby what do you think i feel pretty warmed up to you yeah this was great we got and to know you, you feel a little you bit. feel ready to go sure <laughs> okay so <laughs> let's dive in yeah now that we're um on to the software one side of things you you know we wanted to find out a little bit more about your software one story so maybe just to first talk us through how did you find software one yeah, so um, so I was working at Viva. So after I came back from traveling um, uh, after uni, um, so I did a year out, traveled, um, came back, um, maxed out the credit card, so needed to find a, <laughs> uh, a job uh, pretty sharpish. So I uh, got a permanent job at Aviva. And, um, and uh, through my five years there, I um, a Software One was their reseller, uh, sort of second half of that five years and so we had um, a couple of uh, people um, sort of on site at Aviva um, every other week or every week um, really trying to engage and get get more reseller business and so I knew Software One from there I knew the account manager um, and uh, and a handful of individuals um, and so I had turned just turned 30 and um decided now was the time to uh, you know fly the nest as it were um you know if i stayed at aviva any longer i'd, I'd still be there to mm. my my retirement probably um it's a it's a type of business certainly in norwich that um if you if you get there and, and you stay then uh you, you uh they get your nails into you and, uh, and and you find it difficult to leave so um so yeah i just thought turning 30 sort of uh, what do i do with my my career, my life, and uh, said, "What the hell? Let's let's try London out um, for a while." And so I, I thought I'd give myself two years, see how it went, and, and see see where the uh, job took us. So, so yes, yeah, so I applied for a job in the um, what was the Sam uh, team back then in Software One, and uh, luckily got it. Um, and yeah, that was a, a team of I think seven or eight consultants at the time. Um, very small uh, team, obviously uh, quite new into the services practice back then. Um, and then, yeah, seven years on, still here. So are yeah. you had to okay. move to London and are, is that where you still live now? 
Yes, yep. So uh, I moved straight into to Wimbledon, which is where the the London uh, or the UK head office is. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been here ever since. So interesting ride. <laughs> yeah. Now you said when you joined, there were about seven consultants. What what has that number grown to over the last seven years? Yeah, so that's it. It's been quite a journey. It's uh, we've now got a team of thirty, um, yeah. as well as our. Um, our, our colleagues out in our Romania uh, RSDC hub uh, of seven there as well. So yeah, it's a big practice now in the UK, um, spanning uh, a lot more areas of expertise, as you can imagine, as we've grown our portfolio and uh, and the different services um, practices and and combining that more with, with what we can do from a joint TS uh, and SLM operations as well. So yeah, so it's great to see the the growth uh, across the UK as well as global uh, service practice. Yeah, and what was so when you started, you were a consultant, and now you you lead the SLM practice for um for what, what's the entire region? Or can you can you speak through your career path from like yep. joining as a consultant to to now? Yes, yeah. As I say, it's been quite a quite a journey. Um, uh, when I took the plunge and made the move, I said I'd give it two years and see how how I progressed and. Um, in that time, um, Daryl joined uh, shortly after I uh, arrived into Software One, um, and the practice was growing quite heavily um, that year. Um, so, so it swiftly moved from sort of seven to, to maybe ten consultants, um, uh, and then it became apparent that there was a need for a team lead to support some of the the functions and some of more of the the youthful uh, individuals there. Um, and so, yeah, I became team lead of the um, sort of professional services, what was Microsoft um, piece then. Uh, the Maz team were still pretty separate at that point. Um, they had their own practice under Tony McElworth, as, uh, as you guys probably know, Tony. Um, and mm-hmm. then um, then the whole uh, practice came under the, the SLM umbrella. Um, so I was then made practice lead um, and when Daryl left, um, we brought in a uh, head of uh, SLM uh, called Sean, and he took on the SPS function at that time as well. So, so that grew quite significantly from just the uh, SAM uh, consultant team to um, include all uh, procurement advisory, professional service, including MAS and, and the technical service, um, the our technical team, so the SLM technical practice as well. So, so yeah, so that's when I sort of came into more of an operational layer and we got more um, senior consultants to support the wider uh, practice areas. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Sean left uh, in sort of March 2018, yeah. 2019, sorry. So I've been in, in the service uh, SLM service lead for two years uh, now. So yeah, quite a journey from from coming in at consultant seven years ago to to leading the team. Yeah, that that's a great great journey and great story. I was going to ask. Um, so you know, at the start you were SAM consultant, so software asset management, and now. Um, we're kind of using a different acronym. I mean, you said SLM, software lifecycle management for your your title and i don't want to i guess i have a guess as to the answer but i'd like to hear from you like 
what's kind of really been the biggest difference in moving from SAM to SLM? Yeah, it's a good good question. I think um, obviously SAM has uh, uh, a lot of resonance for, for compliance, um, but it's not just that. It's all about the end-to-end lifecycle of, of managing customer's software state. That includes the processes, that includes the procurement of, um, as well as the um, the consultation of advisory and compliance across the um, across the customer's vendor portfolio and, and the life cycle of that that vendor or vendors. So I think it's all that all encompassing piece rather than purely having a uh, uh, a legacy phrase of compliance associated to the team. That makes sense. And um, so kind of transitioning to speak a little bit about the global nature of software one and maybe even starting with so what you know in your role kind of what how how far is your reach you know i think you mentioned it's not just the uk so can you kind of maybe speak to the different areas or or territories you might cover and then kind of how you've seen the global nature of software one recently yeah so um i've been asked to take on the irish um sub as well as the support so that they don't have um, uh, any consultants associated to, uh, to delivery uh, in Ireland so so that we, we deliver that and support uh, those projects out of the UK or the Federation including our South Africa colleagues so um, you know we've got a great Fed that has great knowledge share where we, we utilize um, uh, consultants across the, the region to support uh, delivery on a number of our our accounts and, and scale that out for a capacity planning perspective. So our colleagues in, in South Africa support some of these engagements as well. Um, and so, yeah, it's a really good Fed to be a part of. And, uh, you know, we, we try and be as inclusive as possible um, across the, the UK, Ireland and, and South Africa Federation. Awesome. And now, Given the year we all had last year, and I think it's lingering in, into 2021, yeah. <laughs> um, what topics are our customers or what are you seeing our customers care most about um, this yeah. year and it having and having had last year? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, as uh, uh, no, anyone wouldn't be surprised to hear, it's all about cost savings um, and reducing their spend. Um, we had um, a number of customers in, in really difficult uh, circumstances last year as the pandemic hit and um, uh, there was a number of us to either suspend services they had or how could we help them through that period and beyond. And as we go through some of the uh, um, managed service contract renewals, real challenge on on uh, the GP and and. Um, what customers can afford and so we are seeing a lot of people have zero or requesting zero uplift in in price or indeed reducing uh, prices um, uh, across the the business and their whole spend right so you, you, you're getting procurement teams targeted with 20 percent reduction in spend etc uh, which they're obviously trying to then force onto their suppliers and, and uh, ourselves included so there's a fine balancing act of how we can help our customers bring that value what what can we do to justify our cost of service as well as then obviously supporting them um hit their other goals around procurement um savings and everything else and you know it's a 
it's a real tantamount to you know across the group not just in the uk but across software one how, how we are evidencing great value to our customers how we are supporting them through um this period of of immense challenge and and, and cost cutting requirements uh, and how we can evidence um that value back to our customers. So uh, a lot of the um, portfolio uh, piece that we're talking about, the, the cost, cloud cost optimization service, our CTO practice, cost takeout, um, you know, all of them are, are, are primed to, you know, support our customers, build that business case for um, service, us supporting their services goals, but also reducing their their cost um, and spend in in various uh, departments, not just IT, but you know the the wider business and, and business applications as well. So, uh, lots of stuff that we can help our customers with, uh, and also the the technology adoption. How can we make them optimize that environment going forward and and utilize the our peer cloud platform and uh, the FinOps messaging and the uh, process governance to to really help the customers um, get visibility of their spend as well. I have a question about the cloud. So you mentioned, you know, cloud cost optimization and, and takeout and probably SaaS is, is a big part of what we're working on now. Is it really applying the same sort of, you know, work we were doing in methodology even from back seven years ago? Or is it kind of a completely new, new thing to, to work with savings in the cloud? Yeah, so <laughs> this is a funny, uh, f uh, good question uh, because I've been speaking uh, uh, about this to um, one of my uh, team leads and, and practice uh, areas. And you know, if you look at the FinOps messaging, what what is it? Uh, and it, if you look at it at, uh, on a very basic level, it's Sam in the cloud. That's exactly what it is. It's building your processes to optimize your spend, get that visibility. And making sure you you are then allocating that to the relevant uh, department and, and business unit that that is spending the money. So it's it's really um, it's very similar, but it's just more in the cloud. It's more SaaS related. It's going from cost avoidance and being compliant versus optimizing your current estate and your SaaS subscriptions and and and, and everything else. So. Um, yeah, it, it's it's very similar. Just a, a tweak into how you how you deal with it and how you manage it. Sure, and it's got this fun new buzzword of FinOps. Yeah, FinOps, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, and I'm glad you brought up FinOps because that's kind of been recently a big thing. Abby and I have been asking about and looking into, and we recently talked to Justin from the PeerCloud team mm -hmm. about FinOps. And so, yeah, I don't know. Is there <laughs> diving into that a little bit more? And maybe, Abby, you have any specific questions, but I'd like to just hear a little bit more about FinOps and what that really means. Sure. So, I mean, obviously, financial operations, it's its all about having transparency of the of customer spend, or their spend, um, you know, building processes that um, make sure they are optimizing their infrastructure as well as adoption of technology and how they're licensing it and when they need to license it uh, more often than not. So obviously, um, Microsoft, as you know, want to sell E5 or, or across the board, but uh, and a customer may sign up because it's the best deal on the table, the best discounted price, et cetera, but they don't know how to adopt the technology and multiple features within that suite of products. Um, and we obviously, from a technology services practice, help to 
customers adopt the technology, but then how do they manage that and operate in, in a BAU world and constantly have that adoption of technology feeding into their IT strategy and, and making sure that the uh, cost is then allocated out to the, the relevant business unit, the, the people that are consuming the technology and, um, uh, and getting that financial view against budgets versus consumption of services. Um, so it's very much trying to have that transparent view across um, different departments within a customer that might not have talked to each other before. Um, so uh, uh, as you may have heard from Justin or, or others, it's the budget holders have changed significantly in a lot of um, customers. And so it's no longer uh, the historic IT infrastructure team that hold the budget. It's it's developers, it's, it's people consuming and building these business applications that run in the cloud that procurement would not necessarily have any um, uh, engagement with. So it's trying to get that transparent view of um, where where is the consumption happening? Who is the budget holder? How can procurement be involved to support the optimization of contracts and spend? And then obviously feeding into the finance um, team to, to then build that budget for the following year and the projected spend of certain services going forward into the customer as they adopt more and more of the technology. So it's having that holistic view uh, and governance across the uh, customer's different departments that they may not have had too much engagement with uh, historically. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I think it's just an interesting natural evolution of of Sam, kind of like you yeah, said, or SLM exactly. in the cloud. It. It's just fe- thinking that it's different departments now that you may be talking to rather than the historic procurement and Sam um, owner within uh, the customer. It's now talking who is the consumer of this technology, who is the budget holder thereof, and then how can we support our customers to adopt more technology and have that transparency or spend on their budget going forward. Yeah, like how do you how do you get the most and, and see a return on every dollar you're spending exactly. in the cloud? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's also interesting too because I, I think you mentioned before the focus might be less on on compliance and it's more about okay, are we not wasting paying, money? Yeah. Yeah, are we not wasting money? Exactly. <laughs> and even more so, are we not wasting money and are we are we making money off of this cloud investment yeah. um, for the organization? So exactly that. Yeah. Love it. Um, any more FinOps or CTO or governance questions, Levi, or should we? I, I think that that gave me a good perspective of, of it. Unless, I mean, was there any, is there any project right now that's top of mind, Jen? You don't have to go into specifics, but something that, you're in the middle of that you think is pretty relevant to to others that you'd want to share? Um, it's a good question. So we're, we're working with um, a very large uh, FTSE 100 uh, company at the moment that is under immense financial um, uh, constraints um, and looking at every penny. And um, we put forward um, probably February last year, uh, uh, their long-standing customer of ours that they know the value we can deliver to them. And we did a, a free of charge sort of ROI analysis on, on what they could achieve by implementing a full end-to-end SAM service. Um, and uh, that 
budget was one of only two projects that got the green light from their CFO um, last year. So we've been working very hard over the last 12 months to to land this um, deal and, and implement um, the technology into um, that SAM technology into that customer and, and deliver the ROI on on um, on their software spend and 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 um, uh, yeah activities and visibility of their their environment and, and they're a very complex um, customer multiple ecosystems involved. Um, uh, and have various responsibilities across the ecosystems relating to SAM to some degree as well. And so uh, it was great talent to to the, the team um, from the account team to the solution specialist to the delivery team last year to, to land the first phase of that project, um, which was for them to, um, for us to recommend a SAM tool to that company um, uh, and then go forward with with a BAU service offering to them within their strict budget. So what could be achieved given this is the budget they have, they can't go above that budget. So we're in the middle of the design phase uh, now. And um, obviously, ideally, they wanted to be implemented by the end of last year. (laughs) Very (laughs) ambitious, obviously, uh, from a customer the the size that they are. uh, and we're still in the middle of that design piece, but it, it, it's great to see the whole team, the different departments coming together to support this customer. Uh, and we have proven um, uh, as a great partner to them because we we have another service uh, with that customer that saved them an awful lot of money um, last year. Going back to that fear of you know cost reduction spends, they had a very uh, significant cost um target for their procurement team and we helped them deliver on on that for them as well by negotiating with their suppliers driving down costs uh, and everything else so so this could be uh if we land the 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 end-to-end deal this could be a uh, a significant end-to-end solution that we're talking about here from resell through to license management advisory and uh, and uh, uh visibility of the their software states so uh, that's one area that we're we're looking at and uh, it's really exciting to be part of that that journey so hopefully in the in the next month we, we may be announcing um that across the the software one company we might have to add it as like a uh uh appendix or, or an add-on to, to this episode yeah and and that's so encouraging to hear that they you know, kind of greenlit the project last year (laughs) in the Mm. midst of everything going on. It was important enough to say, we'll move forward at least with the first phase of that. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was great to see. And, uh, you know, there's been multiple people involved with this so far to get it to where it is. And we're confident that um, we'll we'll soon be uh, talking about the, the, the landing of the whole, whole deal. So uh, fingers crossed uh, you'll be hearing from me soon <laughs> very cool <Yeah. laughs> do you have any um passion projects or little side hobbies uh that at work that you want to share i think um as an example you were uh voluntold for this podcast by your marketing <laughs> team given your uh your work um with our with our women in technology program i think so something like that or anything besides that as well 
Yeah, I mean, um, I can't, I can't lay um, credit to a lot of that. Uh, so we've got the one good, great thing about the Software One UK team is we've got a lot of really great women in the business um, at leadership levels as well. And um, so, yeah, it's passion of, of all of ours to really advocate, um, you know, progression opportunities across uh, the whole company, not just our team. Um, and supporting each other, not just see women only, but across uh, the uh, the departments, what can uh, be done and where progress can be made and your career progressions can be supported um, as you see fit. So so that's the key one for me is to, to really help support people get to their career goals and give them opportunities to support wider projects. So uh, a number of our uh, team are involved with some of the global initiatives around the expansion of our portfolio service offerings like the DSC advanced service that that may be coming on board next quarter um, similarly with the the new release of the SAS management service one of the team was involved there uh, the MAS managed service you know there's a lot of people across the UK team supporting the adoption and innovation in those services uh, practice areas so that's great to see and I, I love to give the the ability to uh, promote them in in their goals is trying to progress their careers in other areas as well. So that's a key key one for me. Great. Um, I think that's all of our questions, Levi. I realize we didn't have a question about. We usually. Um, I'm not sure if you were. Uh, close with our, our late CEO, Patrick, or if there's another leader that you have a, a, a funny story or a favorite story that you want to share with us. But I think that maybe would be a good way to wrap it. Yeah. Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> Sorry, oh, <laughs> we usually ask, Levi, why don't you, you want to ask it? Sure, sure. We usually ask this question. Yeah. So, because um, one of the things, Abby and I have both been here long enough where we got to know Patrick um, mm-hmm. before he passed. And that's something that we're always really interested in is, you know, stories about him. And we've heard some, you know, really impressive things of um, he was on customer meetings and different things. So just I, I don't know if you did have a relationship with him or not, or maybe another software one leader. But yeah. if there's any kind of story um, that you'd be able to share with either about Patrick or or someone else in in leadership at Software One. Sure, yeah. So yeah, I did uh, I did know Patrick. Um, he came to the UK obviously quite quite a bit. Um, it was uh, probably Barcelona, the uh, the NSK first global um, sort of regional NSKs um, mm-hmm. back then, and uh, I had a one to one with him there. Um, uh, and uh, you know, he always um, provided some great insight and. and foresight of where his thoughts of the business was and, and the strategy he wanted to take um one of the uh funnier moments was i think it was the second night might have been the first night we arrived um one of my colleagues co- colleague i was sharing a room with actually um uh, went up to patrick and demand he reopened the bar to continue the party on um and i think <laughs> the uk and the uh, German subs uh, were, were leading the way then um, in, in keeping the bar going for a couple more hours <laughs> that night. Um, so, so yeah, uh, he was always uh, always available to help our colleagues and also very generous, obviously, with with his time and uh, uh, the money behind the bar at that event was uh, was good. So yeah, it was uh, like <laughs> a funny funny moment. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was special that year. We there was three total global uh, sales kickoffs. That's you had right, the one yeah. in Barcelona, 
Uh, we had the one in Mexico. And then I think the third one was in um, Delhi. Yeah. 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 But that, yeah, that was, that was cool. I, I, you know, maybe someday we'll get to do something huge like that again. I think there was yeah. about like a thousand people at each of those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and obviously we had uh, Madrid last year um, before the, uh, the COVID lockdown happened, um, which was great. And obviously that was the biggest one that we'd seen because it obviously incorporated the whole of the, the legacy complex business as well and the whole european region sales force um it's just a shame not not everyone uh, got to go from a delivery side but um yeah that was that was uh, a great event as well and hopefully we'll, we'll see more in the future someday january of 2022 you never know fingers crossed <laughs> yeah yeah well thank you so much for giving us your time um and just letting us ask questions and get to know a little bit more about you and, and the business in the UK. I, I really enjoyed it from a global perspective. So thank you for giving us yes. your time. It's thank been a pleasure. So Thanks very much. That's been another episode of The Swell Files. Music, editing, and mixing by Brandon Avenger. And we love to hear from you. So send us your feedback and future guest recommendations. We're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, so be sure to subscribe to never miss an episode. <laughs>